Hello, and welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the bankers' editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practice, and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these difficult times. I'm Marie Kemplay, the Bankers' Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, and in this podcast, I'm joined by Martin Sheck, Chief Executive of the International Capital Markets Association, also known as ICMA, a leading trade body which represents participants in the world's debt securities markets and also acts as Secretariat for the Green Bond and Social Bond Principles. So thanks so much for joining me today, Martin. Thank you for having me. We've seen a huge amount of COVID-19 response bonds issued in recent months. You know, as governments and supranational agencies mobilise to deal with this global crisis, we've been seeing um, lots of these bonds coming out to finance investment in healthcare provision, medical research, or measures to combat the economic disruption which has been caused by the pandemic. Can you give us a quick overview of, of the, the activity we've been seeing, perhaps picking out some key examples? As you've mentioned at ICMA, as well as our work on primary markets, secondary markets, and the repo and collateral markets, we focus on sustainable finance. We run the Secretariat of the Green Bond Principles, the Social Bond Principles, and the Sustainability Bond Guidelines. And all of these are predicated on defining the use of proceeds of these bond issues. And in the case of green bonds, they need to be used for, to fulfill environmental objectives. Uh, for social bonds, to support social objectives for particular underserved target populations. And for sustainability bonds, the proceeds are deployed to promote either social or environmental objectives. Now, the green bond market is so far the largest sector and by far the most mature, with issuance in 2019 totaling some 260 billion US dollars. The social bond market, considerably smaller, with total issuance last year of around just 16 billion dollars, and sustainable bonds saw an issuance volume last year of around 40 billion US dollars. But you're right, as a result of the COVID-19 crisis, we're currently seeing an immense focus on social bonds and activity has picked up dramatically and this is very encouraging. Already this year, we've seen a total of 11 billion US dollars of social bond issues and of those around 70% have been COVID-19 themed, i.e. they reference COVID-19 in the use of proceeds. The most obvious and the earliest examples have been from the multilateral development banks who are clearly leading the charge, which is actually typical for the multilateral development banks, the MPBs. And a good example is the first, which was a US dollar one billion issue launched by the IFC, which is a member of the World Bank Group. And the proceeds were destined to help support the private sector by sustaining economies and protecting jobs in developing countries afflicted by COVID-19. And this is part of an overall 8 billion US dollar program. Similarly, we saw the African Development Bank launch a 3 billion fight COVID-19 social bond to help alleviate the economic and social impact that the COVID-19 pandemic will wreak on livelihoods in Africa's economies. And also an issue from the EIB, which they call a sustainability awareness bond, where the proceeds are designed to help support universal access to affordable healthcare which you're probably aware is uh, the UN Sustainable Development Goal number three, as well as being designated for other areas directly related to the fight against COVID-19. 
But it's not just the MDBs who are accessing the market. We're really pleased to see corporates, both financials and non-financials, issuing social and sustainability bonds. Pfizer, for example, which is using the proceeds to improve access to essential services, such as healthcare, and the Bank of China and Cookmin Bank, which are directing the funds towards financing SMEs affected by the virus. So far, I've been talking about bonds which are formally aligned to ICMA's social bond principles or the sustainability bond guidelines. And in the social bond context, as I mentioned, this means bonds where the proceeds are used for social projects, where the issuing entity has a defined social bond framework process for project evaluation and selection, where the issuer is committed to managing the proceeds and where they meet the reporting standards outlined in the principles. But there have also been other bonds which are COVID-themed and sometimes referred to as social bonds. So this can sometimes be a bit confusing. And it's always important to understand whether the bond is indeed formally aligned with the social bond principles or not. But it's important to note that these are all perfectly valid and well-intentioned pieces of finance, which do provide useful funding to help repair the social and economic damage of the virus, but simply don't fall within the ICMA definition of a social bond, perhaps, because the issuers want more flexibility in the way that they use the proceeds, or perhaps the issuers simply got uh, operational issues it can't meet in time, or timing concerns about complying formally with the social bond principles. But it's also, it's very important to remind ourselves that the capital markets are largely built on trust. And really the rationale behind the social bond principles is to provide that level of clarity to all market participants, to issuers, to underwriters, and to investors. Certainly plenty of activity there. And, and relatively early on in this crisis, we saw our ICMA and the executive committee of the social bond principles proactively communicate to the market about the relevance of, of those principles for issuance related to alleviating the impact of the COVID-19 outbreak. And what was behind the decision to make that point so so proactively? I think it's it's blindingly obvious that the economic and social impact of the crisis are immense. And we're only now beginning to understand the full extent of the economic and social damage. And that's going to be with us for years to come. But it was also obvious that dedicating funds to specific areas such as healthcare or support to segments of the population economically disadvantaged, if not devastated by the virus, was absolutely the sort of use of proceeds for which the social bond framework had been developed. So substantial discussion within the uh, GBP, the social bond working group, the members of the uh, executive committee, and there's full agreement that a public message reinforcing the relevance of this type of funding was both urgent and appropriate, and hence the press announcement along with additional guidance by way of supporting documentation, case studies, FAQs designed to help issuers understand quickly whether they needed to put in place a sustainability framework, what they could do with the proceeds, how they should manage reporting and tracking procedures in order to issue this type of bond. It's designed really to raise the profile of the sector and to reinforce its benefits. And we've spoken a lot already about the, the various issuances that we've seen, some more formally aligned to the principles, some less so for the reasons you've described. In either case, you know, I think it's fair to say the social bond market has perhaps been quite overshadowed in the past by, by the burgeoning green bonds market. Oh, do you think we're seeing a bit of a breakthrough moment for social bonds? 
Yeah, personally, I do think that's the case. I mentioned the relative standing of the, the two markets earlier on, and it's certainly true that the green bond market has up to now grown to a far greater size than the social bond segment. And probably for green bonds, the, the catalysts were the creation of the green bond principles back in 2014, and then very importantly, COP21 back in 2015. And whilst we all abhor the pandemic and wish it had never happened, it is a light bulb moment for many in the context of social bonds. And we see it very much as an unfortunate catalyst, somewhat similar to the problem of climate change, which has a global effect. And so we do expect familiarity with the product. We expect the potential uses of proceeds to uh, become more familiar, how they map to the SDGs and the issuance mechanics. And we do expect the market to grow rapidly from here. And without doubt, this crisis will spur an acceleration of issuance. On the flip side, do you think there's any risk that the, the attention that's currently focused on the pandemic might see some of that momentum that we had seen building up behind green bonds and efforts to tackle climate change more broadly will, will be lost at all? Well, I think day to day, you're right. I think the focus at the moment right now is on the response to the pandemic. But this big but work on the broader ESG agenda is continuing very actively. The initiatives are being strengthened, taxonomies and standards continue to develop, and there's renewed focus that as we rebuild the economies, they'll be rebuilt in a more sustainable way, and sustainability will become more important than ever. And I think, interestingly, I've certainly noticed, and I think everybody has noticed, that the pandemic has had an impact already on the environment. Travelers decreased, so the levels of pollution have fallen. We're seeing that birds and animals are recolonizing areas where they're not normally seen. And overall, many individuals are realizing that some of the damage to the environment could still be reversible. And that's got to be encouraging for future focus on environmental issues. And I think there's a growing understanding that sustainability is simply broader than just climate. And so I expect the agenda to be much more multifaceted in future, but I fully expect environmental and climate concerns to be at or near the top of the agenda. Good to pull out the positives there. And I think another interesting aspect to all of this as well is how much of this issue <clears throat> took place with, with so many people working remotely and working from home. And in normal times, I think we would have probably seen a lot more coverage around that. I mean, of course, this is all happening within very difficult circumstances. But is there something of a success story here for the industry, do you think? Well, I'm working from home today. I can see that you're working from home today in different cities. And uh, you're right, it's been highly, highly successful in all market segments. And I think this, this trend we've seen over the last few years towards more home working has really accelerated and been compressed into a number of weeks, if not months. I think it's changed attitudes. And without doubt, you've only got to look at the overall issuance volumes in the primary markets coming up towards Easter. There were some record issuance volumes. It's been proven to be very successful in, in all aspects. So I'd be really very surprised if after this crisis, we all return to our previous way of working. And I know that at ICMA, I've already been discussing with my colleagues, now we've seen how well it can work, that we need to revise our working from home policies for when we can actually return to the office. And I'm absolutely certain that other employers have been having similar discussions. This in itself um, is likely to reduce unnecessary travel on a long-term basis. And I think that's overall going to be good for the environment, as well as having social benefits on uh, healthcare and employee well-being. 
Thank you again for joining us for this podcast, Martin. Um, and for our audience, you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify or Acast. And you can also follow discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcasts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.